he'd be comforted by it. I really did. And he, like, his eyes just grew so wide. And he was like, why would you tell me this? Like, he was terrified. Okay, guys, <laughs> before I start the episode, I just need to warn you. I need to give you a disclaimer. Please remember, I'm not an expert in anything. I make a lot of big calls in this episode, and I and I share a lot of opinions, and I'm usually the quiet person in the room, so I'm not very used to sharing opinions, and so I'm very uncomfortable sharing those. <laughs> and yeah... Please just keep in the back of your mind that I'm not an expert at all. Like I just said, um, I feel like I've just backed that up there by repeating that same thing twice. I also take a few digs at the medical system in New Zealand, I guess, but I feel like it's kind of universal within Western society. And just remember, I don't know shit about medicine, so... I'm only saying these things as a result of the combination of my own experiences and then like the little rabbit holes that that's led me through to just on the times that I overthink as a little hobby of mine, you know, and just remember that because of the concussion, I've got way more time on my hands to overthink. So <laughs> if that doesn't tell you that I'm nervous about this upcoming episode, I don't know what will. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know me, uh, let's be honest, if you haven't heard my voice before, you've definitely tuned out by now. So <laughs> for all of you that do know me, here's a reminder, I'm Lydia and you're listening to Psychic-ish my podcast where I talk about the psychic things that I experience and try and figure out if I'm actually psychic or if everything's all in my head. So where did we leave things two weeks ago in episode 20? Uh, that was a really rough episode for me to record and I'm sure you were able to hear that. I started off the conversation about how my concussion affected my psychic abilities. And what I was trying to do with that episode is just give you some groundwork for the points that I'm trying to make today. I'm going to lead you through what it was like for me after my concussion and how my psychic abilities were actually affected. So there was a time when everything just went completely silent for a few months and I'm going to tell you what it was like for me. And that's where a lot of my ranting comes in. Uh, I definitely hit a point that I was starting to make last week, but I don't know if it hits home about how problematic it is for people to just throw the term schizophrenia around if they're not a medical professional or if they don't even understand what schizophrenia is themselves. And, and I have to be really honest here I think I have an idea of it I've done a lot of personal research up until this point which you'll hear about but I don't know if I completely understand it myself so I don't even have to say I don't know if I know I don't completely understand it myself and then I talk you through my first 
psychic experience that I had after that radio silence period and just between you and me it's my favorite experience that I've had yet so if you're like my sister who only likes to hear about the ghosty stuff (laughs) and that's okay I'll never blame you you know what I'm going to recommend I reckon forward about 20 minutes skip to the point where it's like halfway through the episode and scrub a little bit until you get to the ghost story. I'll put some music, like some of that intro music in before the ghost story starts. And you know what? Like, just go for it. I'll never know the difference if you skip what I'm about to say. If anything, I'd probably like it because then that would mean that least people are going to listen to it and hear what my opinions are because I don't think I'm worth having opinions. <laughs> oh, that's sad. I should be talking that through with a therapist not with you anyway if you want to skip ahead I'll never know the difference love that for you go for it do it for you babe you know just just put yourself first today anyway let's move on with the episode shall we So when I first got the concussion, for the first three weeks, my psychic abilities went NATO. Like they were like my usual abilities on crack. So (laughs) usually when I close my eyes and I see the burned out image of someone's face, I'd see one at a time or like sometimes a few, but never really more than three. But during these weeks, it was hundreds and all at once. And they'd be like swarming at me, like coming at my face and just things like that. So whenever I closed my eyes to sleep, it was that. And because my brain was in so much fight or flight, it wasn't like how I say, you know, oh I was so relaxed going to sleep I'd been lying there for about 10 minutes I was in this really calm state and a face came through it wasn't like that it was like the second I closed my eyes they were there and because my concussion was so severe I was pretty much sleeping for most of the day or trying to but after a while it it just became too much and I couldn't communicate what was happening because I just my brain couldn't find the words as I said like I didn't have energy to brush my teeth so I didn't have the energy to try and ward any of those spirits off then out of nowhere after those three weeks it just stopped all at once radio silence I mean, the only other thing I'd see, and it was weird, I'd like lie on my bed and I'd just be staring at the ceiling and I'd see kind of like how I'd see an aura or an orb, like, you know, that kind of translucent color. I'd just see that, but like the size of a cow. (laughs) I really like using farm animals to describe the sizes of things, like smaller than a car but bigger than a dog, yeah, like a cow, this big like pulsing yellow energy and then it would like move its way to the right of the room 
and then it would start again at the left and just move its way to the right of the room. And so I could see all this color around my room and that was a constant, but I didn't really know what was going on. Like a bit of me now wonders if I was seeing my own aura and it was just like really extended or maybe it was just whoever looks over me just trying to help me heal as best as I could, you know. And then after about three weeks of this, out of nowhere, it all just stops. Everything. The voices, the faces, the auras, everything. Whoa, frickin' ho. I'm not being sarcastic about that. I was genuinely very glad. Because up until this point, I wanted this all to stop. I wanted it all to stop. I was terrified of every single spiritual encounter I had, and I was terrified of the chance of any spiritual encounter happening. I actually ended up having an identity crisis. Because, like, here was something that I'd always complained about that had brought a lot of pain and a lot of confusion into my life. And I'd wondered if it was all in my head this entire time and maybe my head not got rid of it. I spent hours researching schizophrenia because if there was any a point in my life where I thought I had schizophrenia the most, it was this time when everything had stopped because I thought if I'd had this head knock and something had been rearranged in my brain, it must have been something like that. I was never psychic. All of this stuff happened in my own imagination. My whole life like ended up being this lie because I was like, if that's not real, what is real? And then like, what is the point? This stuff was so otherworldly. It like makes me feel like there's something more out there and there's something like these are reason for being here on this earth, you know, like as cringe as that sounds. But like, I know even more through my concussion how powerful the brain is. And so I just wondered if I'd never been psychic and maybe I'd just been processing my own trauma throughout my life. And that was my coping mechanism, you know, like I'd found that every big thing that had happened to me the blueprint of my life so far, so to speak, is kind of documented through time as chapters of where my abilities were at and how they'd changed. Like, for example, seeing my grandma that passed away before I was born at eight, feeling her next to me at 14, seeing color when I was about 18, Clear audience coming through when I was about 16. Sorry, I'm not going in order. <laughs> All of these things were essentially what made me me. Like they were the essence of what made me who I was. I associated different pivotal times of my life with what I was dealing with, with my psychic abilities at that time. That's how I have such a good memory because I've got 
signposts saying this is what was happening while you were experiencing XYZ at school, you know? I don't know if this is making sense, but I just didn't know who the fuck I was without them. And I like, I went and spent hours, I tried to find every single scientific study comparing schizophrenia to psychic abilities, trying to find a link because I just wanted to know. And when I tell you there is nothing, there is nothing out there. Scientists, doctors, they don't know yet what psychic abilities are and they've not found any links between psychic abilities and schizophrenia, not even similarities between hallucinations associated with schizophrenia and clairvoyant experiences, or what people might call hallucinations too, visual or auditory. There's not even links for those. Please, like, don't just take my word for it. Do your own research because, I mean, even the research I've done could be updated by now, you know. So you just never know what something's going to be like in the future. But right now, these are my feelings about it. And, and by all means, my feelings might even change. But this is what's happening now. So that's what you're going to get. I had someone tell me, like, Someone who I talked to about the podcast before, like when it was still in its brainstorming stages, I, I kind of asked him, I was like, is this, like, what if this is all just schizophrenia? And he was like, saying that to be deemed schizophrenic or to be diagnosed schizophrenic, there's like this, this comprehensive list of symptoms of schizophrenia and you have to have at least two of those symptoms that deter you from being able to perform daily tasks, day to day. And he's like, so you don't have it. And like, I don't know why it took him saying that for it to hit home, because I've been to doctors, I've, I've talked to psychologists about it, but I don't know, I think just at that point in time, like it, it obviously was just what I needed to hear from like someone that I, I trusted was like skeptical about this kind of stuff but still curious about it at the same time so I think I just respected where they were coming from but this is where it just becomes so problematic to just throw out a term like schizophrenia and say that someone has it because I have seen I've experienced mental illness through anxiety and then depression through my concussion. I have experienced a physical head trauma, a traumatic brain injury, and I've experienced the psychic stuff. The fact that doctors don't know what the fuck is going on in your brain with a physical injury like a concussion makes me wonder how much they know about schizophrenia, how much they know about mental illness. 
I threw out talking to people about this podcast, like as I started to kind of warn friends and acquaintances that this sort of thing was coming before I released it. Anyone that turned to me and told me that they'd experienced something similar or they'd seen a ghost or, you know, their grandparent used to see spirits and things like that. These people are either diagnosed with ADHD or autism, like ASD on the autism spectrum, or they may suspect they have it. I'm on that algorithm on TikTok and like every time I see something new come up, I'm like, shit, I should really go to a doctor and see if I get diagnosed. Part of me wonders if the reason why I had so many sensory issues recovering from my concussion, if that could be linked to some kind of ADHD or autism neurodivergence, that would make a lot of sense. But ADHD and autism is a, is a spectrum, right? And there does seem to be a bit of a link between that sort of neurodivergence and psychic abilities. The thing that gets me is that what if psychic abilities are kind of like a mixture, like somewhere on a spectrum of schizophrenia and autism and ADHD? Like what if? Like what if I am schizophrenic? Like, what if this is a little bit of schizophrenia? I'm not getting any voices that I hear outside of my own head. They're not my own. The difference in what I experience to what I've researched schizophrenia to be is so different. But what if it was a little bit? Why are people out there just throwing this word around? And do you know why this gets me so angry? It's not for people like me. It's for people that have schizophrenia and have other people walking around throwing that term around like it's a fucking insult. When this is this person's life, this is their reality, that's their world. You're telling them their world isn't real. Who are we to know what's real or not? Honestly, I don't know what's real. I doubt you do. Like, individually, we just don't know. We can't say we know everything because we just can't I don't think we're capable of that yet it just grinds my gears I don't really know where I'm getting at right now (laughs) but there's lots of links (laughs) I'm going on all these different tangents and I'm probably the craziest I've ever sounded but like this sort of stuff like seeing spirits and things in the eastern world is revered like people think you're a bloody I don't know like I don't know like it's just like people it's it's looked up to it's like a gift over there whereas in western society it's just something to completely be feared of and be judged for and quite honestly who hasn't had a psychic experience worried that they were schizophrenic and worried that they'd be committed or go to the doctor and have a prescription shoved at them without actually any understanding about what's been going on. I don't know, I might just be generalizing here, but that was my experience, I guess. I don't know if I explain this very well because it's just hard to kind of piece words together when there's like so much emotion behind it, you know, but I do think 
schizophrenia is 100% very real and very debilitating for people that are diagnosed with it. And it's not helping them to go and just throw terms at people who experience something that you're not used to experiencing in your own world, you know? Like it's it's not helping people that have schizophrenia. It's not helping them know that people actually understand what they go through on a day-to-day basis, you know? All in all, I think the brain is just an enigma to most scientists and doctors. I don't think it's fully understood yet. I don't think we've reached the full potential of understanding of what our brain is, how it works, and I've seen that through my traumatic brain injury recovery. I've seen how people don't understand brain injuries. I've seen how people don't understand mental illness and I it's rare for me to meet someone that understands psychic abilities. I know I don't understand them. I don't I've never met anyone that has. So I like at the end of the day, all this is about is just being like, let's not just like throw terms out there that have a lot of meaning to a lot of different people when no one, not even the scientists, not even doctors, know what's going on with our fucking heads. Rant over. Where was I? So my psychic abilities had stopped and I was in the middle of an identity crisis. I'd done all this research. I'd wanted to prove that it was schizophrenia. I have this vivid memory of sitting on my bed with Daniel and me just crying, being like, this must be schizophrenia. And like, just being terrified because it was the only it was the only explanation but then again it also there was no proof that it was that because here's these scientific studies being like hey we've tested people that have schizophrenia we've tested people that say they've had psychic abilities and there aren't links they're not the same I was scared of the idea of having schizophrenia not because of what schizophrenia is, but because of the meaning that each experience had kind of held for me in my life. Like my grandmother coming through and watching me sleep, all while that's terrifying, a little part of me felt like at that time of my life, there was still someone looking out for me. And that goes for every experience after that. Like everything has felt quite special and necessary and important. Like it's felt more important than than anything else in my life. And if it wasn't psychic abilities, then it wasn't real and it wasn't important. And I think I was just more scared of losing the air around the things that had happened and then it was like I mean if you were to look at your life and to take out all the pivotal moments in it because mine are pivotal moments if you were to look at your life and take all those moments out what would you feel like it would feel like your life is 
something that it's not and something a lot less intense than it has been as well. And I'm, I like to, I don't like to, I need to understand things. And part of that is me understanding who I am. And the idea of not knowing who I am, if I wasn't psychic, if I wasn't schizophrenic, if I was psychic, if I was schizophrenic, the thought of me not knowing anything was actually the worst part. Because every moment of every day is me just trying to figure out who I am. And it was like 26, 27, I can't remember how old it was. It was like that amount of time that I'd just wasted. And I felt like I was starting again from square one. And that was what scared me the most. So I was feeling like very, very lost. And I realized that like what I'd been yearning for this whole time, for the fear to go away, for my abilities to go away, that actually caused more pain than having them sticking around. Slowly things came back. They came back stronger than ever. Me being open to it and like taking, I don't know, just taking the risk to see what it could be like if I eased into it rather than trying to just shut the door on these abilities the whole time. I mean it just helped things develop tenfold and and it helped me realize how much being psychic is tied into my identity and how I understand why I am the way I am. I think it gave me a reason as well as to like why I went through like the trauma I did in my childhood. Like it's like you went through that so that you'd have the empathy for when people come through to you that have had bad things happen to them, you know? It was a turning point for me to, finally understand how special this thing is and to accept it and be grateful and do what I can to help others so in the next part of the episode I'm going to tell you about the first experience I had that broke the two-month spell of nothing Okay, so bearing in mind now that I'd had all this psychic activity going on and then everything out of the blue just stopped. Everything went silent. I didn't see any faces. I didn't hear anyone calling my name or trying to tell me messages to get through to people. Everything just went quiet. And I'm going to read to you something that I must have gotten up and written on my computer at the time because I knew I didn't want to lose the thoughts that were going through my mind and it's funny because I don't think I said in the last episode but I had to retrain myself how to handwrite. Um, I remember going to vote and oh, that was just a whole debacle I'm not going to get into it because I digress but it's interesting that I'd opened up my computer and typed this out because I would have had to do it with my eyes shut because I couldn't 
look at a screen. All I remembered is that I'd written it down, so I don't know how much detail is in there. I don't know if it makes sense or not, but I'd rather read that out because that's the closest picture, you know, of what happened um, beside just my memory of what happened. So I'm going to read that out to you now, and then I'm sure I'll have comments afterwards that I'll add. (laughs) But here we go. This was on the 17th of December in 2020. I've been recovering from my concussion for just over three months. In the beginning, I had the most psychic activity I'd ever experienced. I couldn't handle it, and I didn't have the capacity to try and control it, suppress it, or comprehend what was happening. It then stopped after about three weeks. I got a message while meditating yesterday saying that they won't bother me. It's my time to heal, and they know that. Oh, I don't remember that. I listened to some angel binaural music last night as I was having trouble getting to sleep and felt like my head was exploding. When Dan came to bed, I stopped this. A few minutes later, I was young. Oh, sorry. Must have been going. A few minutes later, I was going back and forth with myself about whether I should get up and go to the bathroom or not. In brackets, I always need to go. This doesn't make sense. Um, I think what I was trying to get at is that a lot of the time when I try and fall asleep at night, I just sit there wondering if I need to go to the bathroom or not. And then the thinking of that ends up keeping me awake and then even if I didn't have to go thinking about it made me need to go so I think I I don't know this is the sentence that is here so you can just see that it doesn't make sense I always need to go I get onions that I'll need to go and won't be able to sleep otherwise so that's what was going on (laughs) I think now you can understand just how fucked up my head was (laughs) But there, there is some coherency to this, I promise. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if I can't look back at that and kind of laugh, like, come on, come on. Like, it's a dark time. I need to have some light in there. <laughs> oh, anyway, that was the situation. I was lying in bed, apparently. I'd just been listening to some binaural music. And here's two things I'll say before I continue with the story. Binaural music was the one thing that that concussion service occupational therapist got right for me. Um, I hadn't heard of it before. It's basically music that they give to people with insomnia um, to try and help them get to sleep. And for me, uh, it helped most when I needed to try and process emotion. So if I put this binaural music on, it kind of suppressed my irritability at not being able to process what was going on. So it would kind of stop anxiety, it would stop irritability, and it would stop anger. And it would just kind of help, not suppress it, but I think just keep it at a healthy level. It would also just stop my head from thinking anything. Like I wouldn't be able to think while it was happening, so I wouldn't be able to focus on the pain that was going on and that kind of thing. And the whole meditation thing, I'd never meditated properly before my concussion. I think it was just one of the only activities I could do. And it started just by me uh, 
after those eight months of just lying in bed and staring at the ceiling, once I was able to go and do some activity throughout the day, I would come back and rest um, for half an hour every two hours. And that was for the biggest chunk of my concussion. Like that obviously changed throughout, but that was the biggest chunk. And um, I would just lie there with my eyes either open or shut and I'd try and not think of anything. And that was how I kind of slowly eased into meditation. Then because my um, headspace was so low, I was in quite a deep depression. I tried to just in the morning when I wake up, just listen to some sort of positive guided meditation that would help me start the day on a more positive note or maybe more like a hopeful note that even if the symptoms were tough that day that it's okay I'm not getting worse I'm just one step further towards getting better and because I was having trouble following conversations I could only handle about a six minute guided meditation and the one that I found I still listen to today but I don't know it it deeply found me some peace and it's something that I've kept going throughout this concussion period and I'm really glad that I I have a grasp on it now because I know I've talked about it before. I tried it when I was about 21 and I'd just close my eyes and see all these swirling colours and I knew they were spirits and so I was just too scared to keep going at that time. But I think now maybe because I was able to stop and give it a go when these spirits were giving me a break and, and they knew it was my time to heal somehow maybe that's my path into it so that it could work for me I don't know I don't know I'm rambling we're here to talk about ghost stuff I'm I'm gonna get back into it okay so where were we I'd just been listening to some funky music highly (laughs) highly recommend going and searching some kind of binaural music yourself maybe I'll put a link in the show notes but I'd stop that when Dan had come to bed And I was lying there thinking about whether I needed to go up and go to the toilet or not. My mum hates when I mention the toilet, so sorry mum, it's happened a few times now, isn't it? But nothing's happened in the toilet, so surely that's okay. (laughs) A few minutes later I was going back and forth with myself about whether I should get up and go to the bathroom or not. Then I realised someone was singing me a song. It was a song... From the 50s or 60s, da-da-da, da-da-da, I'd never heard it before. But here was a lovely woman singing to me. I could see her dancing in a hall with a girlfriend. I decided to go to the bathroom after all, and usually as soon as I'm up and about or lucid, these things will stop. But she kept singing as I was going to the toilet. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> It was wonderful. I enjoyed it. I've never had an experience where I wasn't afraid until then. This reminds me that as I was going to sleep initially, I saw some weird stuff. It felt like there were all these eyes watching me. E.T. eyes. Bizarre. I don't think it lasted long. So. Doesn't stop there. (laughs) That was the first time I'd ever not been scared of something happening. So I was 26. Everything had been going on for about 19 years. 
Anyway. The way I remembered it, I'd thought that everything had happened in one night, but it didn't. It happened over two or three. So the next night I was going to sleep again and I heard the singing again. And this is rare as well. It's not, this is the first time and probably maybe the only time that I've had someone come through in consecutive nights doing the same thing. And she was just singing there and dancing around and I was just like, God, she reminds me so much of Dan's mum. And I couldn't get that idea out of my head. She just she just reminded me of Dan's mum. And so I asked her what her name was and she said dot. I heard dot 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 which is usually what happens. I don't just get a name, it's like always repeated a lot of times. Um I think she must have stuck around for a bit. And I knew that at that point, it must have been Dan's grandma. Ah, oh, you gotta be joking. The day after, I'm gonna finish this on my, um, sorry, our landlord's friend has been coming over and sanding outside, so I'm just going to finish this on a voice memo on my phone, so... Okay, I'm going to get it out right now. I'm going to get it out. <laughs> so the next night, I was, I was kind of holding on to this information the whole day. The next day, um, I knew in my heart that it must have been Dan's grandma that had come through. Sorry, his nana. And I thought I wanted to tell him. I thought, I don't know, I thought maybe it would comfort him. So we we're just about to go to bed. And I must have been thinking about it all day. And I just remember him sitting on bed and me kind of standing over him and being like, what was your mum's mum's name again? And um, he was like, oh, Nana Dot. And <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, I think she came through to me last night. And he just kind of looked at me. And I was like, no, no, it was really nice. She sang me a song and she was like, dancing with a girlfriend and I was just thinking about how much she reminded me of your mum and I was like god it must have been Dan's grandma and then I got up and went to the bathroom and asked her her name and she said it was Dot and I thought he'd be comforted by it I really did and he like his eyes just grew so wide and he was like why would you tell me this like he was terrified <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I can't I can't stop there. Like the sanding has started. So I I'll get the next few points out as quickly as possible, I promise. If that noise in the background is annoying, trust me, I'm more annoyed about it than you, but I mean it's not a competition, is it, Lydia? Um, but I'm sorry. I'm I'm really sorry. He comes and sands for like eight hours a day, so I don't really have a choice. Um, <laughs> but there were a few more details from what happened. Um, earlier that week, 
Dan and I had been talking about our future babies' names, and these conversations are always instigated by me. <laughs> I take full credit for it. I used to read like this baby name book that my mum had. I used to read it back to front for fun as a kid, and I'd list my favourite names on it, and that list was ever changing. <laughs> But we decided that our first boy would carry my granddad's first name as his middle name. And our first girl would carry Dan's grandma's name as her middle name. Um, my granddad was on my mum's side and Dan's grandma was on his dad's. They were who we were closest to growing up. And, and this whole thing means a lot to us, right? I mean, so willing that we're able to have children. So <laughs> this isn't the grandma that came through to me. It's the other one. And I may as well mention as well that she has this clock exactly like my nana and granddad had on their mantelpiece growing up. And when she passed away in 2019, Dan's mum asked if um, if we'd want to keep anything of hers and and she asked if we wanted all this stuff and then she showed the clock and I said to Dan, I was like, oh, we should have that clock. Like it's such a link between our grandparents. Like to me, it was just really, really special. And the day that she'd come through to me, I'd touched the clock because I'd moved it around to reorganize the shelf it was on. And this clock also randomly starts and stops working and stuff. But I mean, in my head, I'm always thinking that that's in my head or in my imagination. So I don't really think too much into that. But after I just told Dan about um, her coming through that night, she came back again and I was just sitting there thinking about things for a while and like enjoying the show and I couldn't like this sounds awful but I couldn't understand why she was there I was like why is she here and not Dan's other grandma who he was really close to that we've been talking about you know and I just said to her I was like Dot are you just here to get your name in the mix and she just smiled and laughed and nodded. So, I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all. Dan's mum is the cheekiest person I've ever met in the most loving way. I love her to bits. And seems like her mum is even cheekier. She came through from the grave. It <laughs> sounds so dramatic. But to try and get her name in the mix. She wanted her name in the mix. And I tell you what, like, she's got that in common with her daughter. Like, Dan's mum always just wants us to name our kids after her. Like, it's probably the um, only thing we argue about, if you can call it an argument. But there you go. Um, it's just so cheeky. I rate it so much. It puts a lot of pressure on me, though, because what if I don't like the name? What if I don't like it? What if it doesn't go with the names that I... Anyway, I mean, we're re really getting ahead of ourselves because it's not like I'm pregnant. So, I mean, Dot was the first person to come to me after my concussion sort of radio silence period, and she brought everything back. Um, I don't know. Maybe she was checking to see if I could handle it all. Maybe my guide sent her through to me. But 
She also maybe was making sure that my first encounter back was a nice and comfortable one. And um, I don't know, there was something about it where I just felt the love coming through. And I think every experience I've had since, I kind of have that experience in the back of my mind, just knowing that it's that love coming through and that like family personality doesn't get lost throughout the dying process I don't know this sounds a bit weird but a lot of the times like when when um spirits come through to me and I might not know the person very well who the message is trying to get to so say if it's our next door neighbor or our landlord's parent or something you know like if I don't know that person very well I'll most likely see I'll see the family member and then I'll hear them like either call like a nickname. So like the nickname of their loved one that they're wanting to get the message across to. And then maybe I'll see them do some like action that they used to. I don't know. It's just always elements of their personality that come through. And this is why it's kind of tough when people ask me to do readings because in the past when I've kind of gone two people that I know have been really suffering and tried to help and been like okay I've, I've had your family member come through I've found that they have questions that they want answered by whoever's coming through right and a lot of the time the spirit just wants to show that they're there and so they might not or like maybe I'm not at the stage yet where I can actually ask for specific things and get those messages back maybe that's something that I'll learn with time I don't know but um most of the time I just see aspects of their personality and to the person I'm with and trying to give this information to it's enough for them to see like holy shit okay they're actually here there's no way Lydia could know this but then they want to know more information and I just have nothing to give or I put too much pressure on myself and then I end up worrying about disappointing the person I'm trying to pass the message on to and it just kind of stops the whole process so I guess it doesn't help that I'm like quite a cerebral person right so it's not like when this stuff comes through my world completely shuts down and it's all I can think about like it's more like all this stuff comes through and I'm just thinking if it's all in my head or if it's my imagination and I, I'm, I'm actively overthinking it with a skeptical lens as it's happening. So when someone's like standing there in front of me, um, along with me kind of trying to watch their body language and tone and, and see how they're reacting to what I'm saying. Yeah. It, um, it just becomes a bit too much. Maybe that sort of thing or like being able to tune things out will come with time and maturity for me, but, um, I don't know. <laughs> I've really digressed a lot and I feel like I've really rushed because of that noise in the background. I'm sorry for that. But I just like, this is just my favorite experience to talk about. And um, she's come back again. So I'll definitely be talking about her more in episodes to come. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a right laugh. Um that was a massive episode, and I truly do think we went on a full-on roller coaster of emotion there. Um, it was very hard to go through and edit it without 
actively feeling the frustration and anxiety and irritability I had when I started hearing the sanding thing going on when I was talking about little old Dot. Um, But I'm just glad you're here. Thank you for lending me your time again. Thank you for listening to what I've experienced. I'll have a question box available on my... uh, on my Instagram at Psychic-ish Podcast tomorrow after the episode has aired. So that would be on Thursday for anyone in Australasia, but in anyone in North America, that is actually our Wednesday. So best of luck getting to sleep tonight. I hope someone comes through and dances and sings for you because honestly, it's a vibe. <laughs> Bye-bye.